the New Zealand Tech Podcast, brought to you by Vector Communications, data networks built for business. Welcome along to the New Zealand Tech Podcast, episode number 207. I'm Paul Spain. I'm Nate Dunn. How are you, Nate? Very good, thanks. Thanks for having me. Great to have you back on the show. Now, as always, fill in the listeners where you fit into the technology world in New Zealand. Uh, okay, do a couple of different things. So I'm one of the directors of a, a software company called 3Bit. We're based here and we've got an office in Sydney and we do a lot of zero stuff, a lot of custom development and in my sort of spare time I am a moderator on GeekZone and obviously here on the podcast and a few other different things. So, hmm. Great. Well, thank you for uh, for coming back and joining us again as we draw towards uh, Christmas and uh it's been a been a fair bit happening in the in the tech world here, hasn't there? In terms of uh, local news, a few exciting bits and pieces happening. Yeah, exactly. It seems to get as we get closer and closer to the end of the year, it just gets busier and busier and busier. And then uh, and then before we know it, uh, CES Consumer Electronics Show will be uh, will January. be happening, and uh, there'll be all sorts of announcements early January as well. So a fair bit to look forward to, I'm sure. Have you found that this year's flown by? It, yeah, it has actually. It's moved moved pretty quickly. Because I remember thinking not that long ago, Jeepers, Christmas didn't really seem like Christmas, and it was the end of last year, and now we're just about at this year's Christmas. Just about there again. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, uh, talking of local news, uh, you would have got the same email I got that um, Uber uh, have launched a new a new service here in, uh, in New Zealand today, uh, specifically in Auckland. I don't think it's been uh, launched in Wellington uh, just yet. Uber, of course, operating in Auckland and uh, Wellington, uh, that to go alongside the Uber X service, they've got another one called Uber XL. Mm. So, and I'm trying to remember, because it's been a while, I was in San Fran uh, three or four months ago, where it, all the Uber options are there. So the Uber XL is the big SUVs, isn't it? It's not the limos. I can't actually remember. Yeah, so it's uh, it, well, it's a bigger car. So I think there's there's or a bigger vehicle. There's uh, room for maybe up to uh, up to six people. So the normal normal Uber X and 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 X is this sort of the lower the lower cost version of Uber. And you know you've got some pretty fancy rides that you can get uh, in in some markets. Uh, but the, the UberX is their, is their lowest cost service, and where they can, they tend to deliver that using uh, using a Toyota Prius, which isn't a particularly big car, but it is really uh, really yeah, efficient, being a, a hybrid. And uh, the Uber XL uh, takes it up to a to a bigger vehicle, which can be can be handy from time to time. I uh, tried this afternoon looking for whether an, an Uber uh xl vehicle was available and when i first tried uh there was no luck so they've only just yeah pretty much just officially gone onto the road uh today uh when i looked a little bit later i saw two vehicles were, were you know reasonably nearby and within a few seconds it looked like there was just uh just one so uh it is just starting out but it's, it's nice to have that uh that option particularly if you want to you know ferry a, a, a big bunch of people around whether it's uh yeah an office party you're all heading out somewhere or whatever it may be uh nice to uh, nice to have that option i think it's nice too the the big thing i had with uber so i tried to catch a cab from work to home the other day and there was no uber available the big thing which i hadn't really 
thought about is the fact that you can look up on the app and see exactly where the, the cab is. So you're not sort of standing going, is he coming? Is he not? Is he going to be here shortly? Do I have time to quickly go and grab a coffee while I wait? And when, then you don't have to ring the, the dispatcher and, and give her all your details and then try and work out where they are. And they sort of just fob you off with a, uh, oh, he'll be there sh- uh, shortly. So being able to see exactly where they are and having that certainty of knowing exactly when they're going to be there is fantastic. Um, but yeah, I, I've had two instances now in Auckland where I haven't been able to use Uber just because there's been no cabs available. One was first thing in the morning and another one was um, not that late at night, maybe 12.30 at night on a week weekday, uh, weeknight, school night. Yeah, it does depend on your location. I mean, you, when you're in the CBD, you know, right in the middle of the CBD, uh, that's where where you tend to you know find the most uh, vehicles available. And the further out you go, the I guess the less chance that you you have of actually getting uh, getting a vehicle. Where I've had issues in the past can be the airport uh, because you are a long way out, and it basically relies that an Uber has been there to uh, to drop someone off, and that is becoming more and more uh, more and more common. So I guess uh, as time goes on, becomes less of an issue. And Wellington, uh, yeah, I see a little bit of the the, the same. Will you use? You're in Wellington tomorrow. Will you use Uber to uh, to get to into the city if it's available? Um, I would use Uber. However, one of my um, guys in Wellington is actually picking me up in the morning because we're um, going off to grab some breakfast before we had our first meeting at nine o'clock. So I would grab Uber otherwise if you needed to. Yeah, if I needed to. I had an interesting thing happen with Uber not that long ago where I got picked up from location. The guy still had his taxi. Um, lights and, and things <laughs> and he actually pulled over sorry as he picked me up he said I'll oh, give me a second and he quickly whipped everything off because he said he's not allowed to have that stuff you on have to be, you have to be one or the other don't you but I yeah. would have thought I've noticed a bit of that going on as well I would have thought they wouldn't bother and they would have just left it on and then dropped me off and then like would, obviously it is a big problem because he made a big fuss about it and did take it off and then if he goes back under the um company dispatcher or how, I'm, I'm not exactly sure how the whole net, uh, industry works um, would put the, the stuff back on and, and away he goes um, have you also seen Uber Business which I only just yeah so they've launched the they've day. launched Uber Business uh, in Auckland recently and yeah, that allows a, a company to really you know offer the offer uh, or have their staff using Uber but it all sort of bill back uh, centrally they're able to sort of check, check exactly what's going on rather than have to give out the business credit card and and link it in uh, directly into everyone's accounts it gives a, a level of control uh, this, yeah I think it, it's nice to nice to have those options and. They certainly want to keep growing their business, and that's uh, that's that's one way of doing it is, uh, is getting more of the business uh, market on board. Yeah, exactly, it makes it much easier for anyone that's got a personal credit card that that gets reimbursed by the company because you're no longer having to worry about getting reimbursed and trying to find the receipt. And oh, I've lost the receipt or, or whatever, or just gets emailed to you at the end of the the, the, the journey if you're just using a, a personal Uber. And um, yeah, you can forward that through to your accounts department and get reimbursed. It's that's right. And, well. I mean, in my case, I've got personal credit card, business credit card on there, so you can, uh, you know, you can you can charge accordingly depending on uh, the the type of ride. And we didn't talk about Uber. Did you see the integration with Spotify as well? Oh yes, yeah. So that's launched, I think, just in the US market uh, yeah, so yet. far. And uh, the you know the way that works is it gives you control over the uh, the sound in the in the vehicle, which I think is uh, is is quite nice. You can link in your. Uh, your Spotify and can uh, can control it while you're uh, uh, rocking around in your Uber. So the video I saw when they sent out the the marketing thing oh, a couple of days back was the it showed 
people at a party actually organising their um, playlist and then they were listening to it and then once they jumped in the vehicle they sort of can continue the party in the, the car and I thought half of me was like oh that's a bit gimmicky and the other half was like my other half was like that is amazingly cool yeah I will yeah and we will see more and more of that sort of that sort of stuff uh, you know these things all all tying together I'm looking for more for that sort of thing in the in the airplane you jump in and you can pick up on the Netflix content that you were watching uh, at home that you'd be able to do that on the plane and I'm sure that will happen in some form eventually but I don't know how yeah how far away it is but I've always thought that there there should be more of that sort of time or you jump on a plane and you got partway through a movie on your previous journey and you jump onto the next flight and you pick up that same it knows that you were watching that rather than it just being a dumb independent system that isn't uh, isn't interconnected um so yeah I'm I'm that sure we will we'll get that eventually but uh, um the it might still be a yeah a month or two or three or four away um yeah yeah, That'd be pretty cool. Now, um, so do you have any any opinions on uh, on Uber ruling the world and sort of uh, you know killing off traditional taxis entirely? Uh, have any particular views on that, or do you do you think the traditional uh, taxi model, where there's a taxi stand and so on, is is around to stay? Because I'm finding certainly more and more, if I in a situation where I would normally consider a taxi, I just I just feel more comfortable catching Uber because of the way it records it because you know you're probably going to be uh, be treated more fairly and the caliber of of drivers is such that you know there, there's vetting that goes on from from the review so you know you're not going to get uh, you know somebody that's um, you know you you wouldn't want to be driving you shall we say I think the best way I feel about Uber is um, there's a there's a South Park episode I think two weeks ago and it's um, one of the characters, Timmy, comes up with this thing called Handicar, which is pretty much a, a take on Uber. Yeah. And one of the characters makes a comedy because the cab drivers start complaining about this this service taking all their business. And the, yeah. the character goes, well, why don't you just improve, improve the cleanliness of your cabs, the driving, so you can actually be competitive? And his answer is like, no, we want the local council to step in or, or whatever it was yeah. to shut them down. Yeah. Yeah. And it just it's perfectly encapsulates what I think is happening in the market. The market's been sitting very stagnant and there's been no change. And then Uber's come in and just really swap things around and change things up. And why they're not trying to compete um, with, you know, clever apps and that sort of thing, I, I don't know. And it's probably just too hard. But Well, yeah, there, if- is, there is a bit of that going on with, uh, you know, with, with apps and obviously with Zoomy here in New Zealand and so on. But, uh, yeah, they, they've, they've sort of, you know, struggled a little bit. And Uber is just such a powerful brand. And, you know, I think... Uh, it seems reasonably natural, certainly for people that travel, for oh, there totally. to be one brand that you you know you can turn up in any city and just fire up your your Uber app. But it does depend where you are. And you know, recently when I was in Hawaii, I fired up the app uh, where I was staying, which was a you know, fair way out of Honolulu, and you know, not not once at the times that I just you know tried it. Uh, out of curiosity, was there ever an Uber vehicle that was nearby? Yeah. Uh, and I guess that that's part of the nature of 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 the the uh, scale and reach that Uber has at the at the moment, and it relies on the vehicle already being quite close to you. Uh, so never once could I have actually used Uber had I wanted to, but I would have been able to call a local uh, a local taxi. But that's something I'm sure that will uh, will change and develop over time as well. Because didn't you one of the big things you had was when you were in was it China or Japan where the, uh, the whole t- language Taipei I, I whole used language option yeah. you can just go 
take me, pick me up here, drop me off there. You don't have to worry about payment. You can sort of get and trust that the driver knows where he's going and then just get out and you don't need to worry about it. Yeah, it was very good. And I just had somebody else, you know, write what was my English address and, and just, you know, write that down um, in, in, um, in Chinese so that, uh, you know, they knew what it was and that was that was fine in every situation. So, yeah, there, there's definitely um, some good things there. Now, of course, Uber got, uh, you know, had had quite a bit of uh, bit of flack recently over uh, over some dramas with um, one of their, their senior VP uh, Emil Michael who uh, made some supposedly um, um, off the record uh, uh, comments recently which got him into uh, all sorts of uh, all sorts of hot water so um, there's good and bad things going on for uh, for uber at the moment and yeah certainly some people just closing down their accounts and saying they do not want to uh, uh, support or do any business uh, with with Uber with uh, that that suggestion from uh, Emil Michael that uh, um, yeah journalists digging dirt on them well they're going to turn around and dig dirt on those uh, journalists and uh, certainly been a, a huge backlash on that one so I think they're probably a little bit sensitive too because I, I don't know if it was um, proven but weren't didn't someone try and say or they did prove that Uber was booking. Lift rides and then cancelling just before the lift driver would get to the location, which would then tie them up. So then the the user- they couldn't get a real ride, and yeah. the real customers couldn't get uh, couldn't get vehicles. Yeah, there's certainly proven? there's certainly been some of that stuff that I th- I think it's yeah it's my impression that that uh, Uber apologised for that stuff. I think that yeah actually some of that stuff really did happen. It's not. Uh, it's not just an urban an urban legend. I think there there has been a bit of naughtiness uh, between Uber and their main arch rival uh, Lyft, and uh, possibly even on on Lyft's uh, side. But yeah, Uber are battling for uh, you know for a huge market here. It's going to be worth many billions in in the future, and Uber already have a uh, you know valuation well into the into the billions, and they're, they're doing you know extremely well. Uh, they, they, you know, I guess the one concern I have here too is there could be a level of dominance that Uber gets that we end up with a uh, a trade me or eBay type situation where you only end up with one player uh, in that particular dominant. market. They become so dominant that there isn't room for another, and then they can crank up and crank up and crank up uh, the level of cut that they they take on a ride. Mm. Um, so there, there, yeah, there is a little bit of concern. Around the reality that that uh, that could well well happen, and there are there are some of these areas where you know there's uh, it's it's probably quite natural uh, for there to be a, a, monomal, uh, a monopoly uh, land if there isn't any sort of uh, intervention. So, do you know Uber actually pays drivers? And I'm not sure if it, I'm sure it's only here, but they actually get a rebate from Uber. So they they because the guy was explaining to me the other day, they take the fare, then they take their twenty percent cut, and then Uber actually. Adds another two dollars to the company's fare, uh, sorry, to the driver's fare. So he gets, so they're in essence giving or sort of um, what do you call it, subsidising every ride two dollars. Uh, yeah, I imagine you'll get, you will get um, some of that sort of stuff happen. Uber might well not like that to be uh, known. So I hope you've taken a few rides recently. Otherwise, they might go and beat up whoever it was that said that to oh, you. Yeah, uh, never find uh, it. <laughs> yesterday. Uh, no, no. Um, but yeah, I've had some interesting discussions with some of the Uber drivers, you know, from very early on, and there, yeah, certainly been some techniques that Uber have put in place to encourage people to come and drive for them. 
and they're you know as I say, I think they're looking for that sort of massive market dominance, mm. and they've got such huge investment behind them that yeah, they can afford to uh, to make a loss, but. If that kills all their competitors, uh, then ultimately they're going to do uh, rather well in the market long term, right? I suppose they also push that that whole demand thing when you get surge pricing, which is where there's not enough cars available, and so you then on the app agreed to pay one and a half, two, three, whatever it is, times what the normal rate is, and then it advertises the driver that you're prepared to to pay a bit more, and so that encourages them to jump online and actually pick it up, which I think is fantastic because as a consumer, I can either take the the decision. I need to be somewhere quickly and I'm prepared to pay for that, which is, is fine, or I'm not prepared to pay for it, so I'll wait the 20 minutes or however long the search pricing lasts for. It doesn't usually last for very long, and to be fair. And then away I go. Mm. All right, now jumping into other topics. Uh, here in New Zealand, the warehouse have pulled R18 games and DVDs from their, their shelves uh, with the CEO stating that they didn't want to be in a position of having to pick and choose which R18 content they would or wouldn't sell uh, after getting a, a, um, some complaints around uh, the content in uh, GTA uh, 5, Grand Theft Auto 5, uh, which, which has some, um, you it's know, pretty bad. Some, <laughs> some, some, some extreme, uh, some extreme content. I think, uh, you know, when you're playing the, 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 um, yeah, first person single player sort of mode, you can, you can get into some, some. Uh, uh, yeah. Since GTA One, let's be fair, some, some questionable there's been some pretty actions. bad stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I don't think that should be a surprise to anyone that GTA is R eighteen. Yeah. So uh, so they've taken that stand. I mean, this is quite an in- interesting one, and you know, they said it very much ties up with this, their their brand. They're trying to be uh, you know across the organisation and the, or across the, the the broader company, which includes uh, within the warehouse group includes uh, Noel Leeming as well. Uh, they're trying to be a, a family, uh, you know, a family friendly sort of company and uh, they prefer just not to uh, have that product on the shelves. Now, I don't imagine it, it equates to too much profit for them. Uh, what's your thought? Is this uh, going to be good or bad for their uh, their brand? I guess you'll, you'll have uh, yeah, both both sides, won't you? Some people that like it and some people that uh, are a bit uh, a bit annoyed. They can't get it through there. It's probably a, a, a topic that really has no relevance to me, A, being over 18 and B, having no kids or no dependents that are under 18 um <laughs> i suppose it's a, a good thing to you know there's plenty of other places that you can get it and the warehouse have decided to take the sort of moral high ground and say well we're going to pull the whole lot and yeah i suppose if they've, they've had complaints it's probably the best way going forward yeah yep all right well um i already have my copy on and i just bought it on ps4 and it is absolutely amazing so um, I'm probably the worst spokesperson for the <laughs> All right. Well, we won't dive uh, dive too much into that one. Now, something we were looking at uh, gaming-wise, we don't tend to talk a huge amount about gaming uh, here on the New Zealand Tech Podcast. We, I know that on, uh, uh, while reading the guys on the uh, NZ Entertainment Podcast, uh, yeah, probably jump into that sort of uh, side of things a little bit more often than we do. Uh, but last week, we got uh, finally got hands on the uh, new PlayStation TV, which launched in Japan, I think, Whew, maybe a a year or so ago, came out in the US a few months ago, uh, and it's now here in New Zealand. Um, and I, I showed this off briefly on uh, on First Line on Monday on TV3. Um, what it what it is, and I mean, you and I both had a little bit of a look. For uh, but for listeners, it's a 
It's a almost a cell phone size uh, gaming console. It's tiny. Like I've got a Roku, which I mean, when I first got that, thinking, man, this thing's little, but that thing's even smaller. It's so yeah. thin. It's tiny, isn't it? So you've got uh, you've got an HDMI connection. Uh, you hook it into your TV, and and in most cases, I think where this is going to get used is is in a home that already has a PlayStation uh, Four console. You'll plug it in somewhere else in the house, and what it allows you to do is do the remote play, uh, so you can uh, you know, effectively uh, you know take over. The, the screen of your, your main uh, console or the, those remote play uh, type of capabilities that the, the PS4 has. Of course, you can also do that from uh, the Xperia uh, Z3 uh, tablet and smartphone from, uh, from, from Sony. So they're opening up your options for how you can do that. Um, but not only can you do remote play on it, you can. There are actually some games you can run on it. Uh, there's a web browser. You can do YouTube. So you know, there's a fair bit of stuff you can do on this device, which is, uh, is landed here in the market around 100 $60, so um, doesn't seem like a, a bad deal to me. Mm. A lot cheaper than a full full version, full size PS4, that's for sure. Yeah, and if you want sort of, I don't know, something to, to yeah take away with you if you're uh, out of town over over Christmas or something, you still want to be able to play a few games. That's uh, that'd be one way of doing it. Um, now the the one one of the downsides, uh, and there may be others, but uh, the one thing that I noticed was. Uh, they make a point of saying you should be plugged into Ethernet rather than using it over Wi-Fi for the remote play, um, really to do with the amount of bandwidth that's required to get the yeah the streaming video across the device. It does it's it's it does that HD, not full HD resolution, also known as 720p. Uh, but I have seen it even um, even using it over Ethernet. At times, you can get a little bit of uh, jumpiness where the video doesn't catch up. And that, I guess, will depend on the type of uh, the type of game you're you're remote playing, because um, it is a very small box. It does not super amount of of, of uh, power, and I guess it will also depend on the type of network connection you have and how fast that is. Uh, but it still seems like a like a good idea and and probably worth trying. And I guess uh, if you had if you had any major issues with it, New Zealand got the Consumer Guarantees Act, so you can. Uh, Always sort of throw it back at them if it, it didn't uh, didn't do what it was supposed to do uh, well. Uh, now, um, one other product. Now, this one's been out for a little while, but uh, we finally got hands-on to have a good play around with it at the office. Uh, first played with it uh, uh, quite a few weeks back uh, was Apple's uh, iMac uh, with 5K Retina display. So this is a 27-inch screen iMac. We've had iMacs with that sort of screen resolution, uh, screen size for a while. Uh, but it comes with this uh, 5K display, which uh, when when we talk about um, UHD, ultra-high definition, or, or the 4K screens, uh, this is, uh, we, we're talking, I think, n- n- nearly twice the uh, the amount of pixels on the screen uh, overall. So it's... Um, it's pretty impressive. Nate, we were watching some uh, some high def uh, or ultra high def uh, videos on it before. It's it looks pretty sharp, doesn't it? Um, everyone knows that I'm a massive Android fanboy, uh, but that and uh, I was going to say Android screen, <laughs> Apple screen uh, is stunning. We were just yeah, the HD content on it is awesome. It looks so nice, so clear, nice and bright. It just yeah. And uh, it it actually streamed pretty well. I mean, we we're using uh, we've got that WorldNet uh, um, UFB connection to to uh, two hundred megabits up and up and down. And uh, I mean, we were able to stream four K four K content across 
across that quite nice. Not a huge amount of 5K content out on there online, and uh, you know, YouTube doesn't, uh, I don't think, goes beyond uh, 4K at the moment, but uh, we'll be seeing 4K available here in New Zealand uh, going forward next year with uh, with Netflix when they land here. And, and I think them doing it will put a bit of pressure on the, the likes of uh, Lightbox as well to... Uh, uh, and and maybe even QuickFlix to uh, to jump into uh, the the 4K content area. side. So I mean we've certainly put a put a bit of uh, yeah pressure onto uh, uh, Lightbox at, at launch, saying hey this is this is an area you should be in. You should have that 4K content. Uh, it's you know an important differentiator, I think. And um, yeah, I I hope our our local streaming providers um, will will do a bit of that because. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, it'll keep things competitive if we've got all the players doing uh, doing 4K. What do you think the, the penetration is of 4K TVs in the consumer? It's very low in New Zealand at the moment. It's a, very, it's a real premium price point. Uh, but I, you know, I think the thing that will push it along will be having 4K streaming and ultra-fast broadband. As those things become you know, more and more in terms of their adoption, which I think we're, we're hearing... Uh, the the last number we heard was around ten percent of uh, of consumers now who have uh, ultra fast broadband, you know that fiber fiber optic uh, internet uh, running past their home. Around ten percent of those homes now are connected up to the ultra fast broadband. So I think those numbers will keep rising, and you know I don't know how soon it is till we'll reach uh, you know twenty, thirty, forty, fifty percent. Um, but I you know I would think. The, the likes of Netflix becoming available in, in 4K will help that. Uh, the cost of 4K TVs will, you know, will move right down uh, to the sort of sub thousand uh, dollar, yeah, price points probably uh, next next year. I think it'll, be, you know, it will be reasonably common. Uh, whereas now it's, you know, it's pretty unusual. There's not a lot of, uh, you know, 50, 55 inch, um, 4K. you know, 4K TVs that are that are much under the two thousand dollar mark. Uh, but you know, I think that will uh, it'll become pretty uh, pretty accessible for those bigger screens at at 4K uh, reasonably quickly. The, the I suppose we've we've sort of hit the limit on screen size, haven't we? Like your your living room is only going to be a, a particular size, and you really can't get. Well, I don't know about you, but like 55 inch at my place, I really couldn't like getting any bigger would just be ridiculous. Like you'd actually have to move your head to watch content on the screen. Yeah, I mean it is nice having that cinema type view and I mean I've always had quite a, an, uh, I don't know, I, I enjoy the the cinema style of a projected image so I still like the, uh, you know, a good projector and I used to run my projector sort of 100 inch or so uh, and that was pretty nice to have that cinema type experience but you wouldn't leave it on necessarily that big all the time uh, but pretty cool. Uh, as far as a TV, because it is actually a physical item that's take that's actually taking up space. If you've got it that big, uh, having a uh, yeah a hundred plus inch TV, you need to have a pretty uh, appropriate space for it. Uh, plus, it's going to be quite heavy as well. It's going to be heavy, and right now it's going to cost you a small fortune to uh, to have one that size. So maybe you could look at it insurance. Like you, you could say, look, I'm going to get a hundred inch TV because they're really hard to steal. <laughs> so that's why I'm spending all the extra money on this massive screen because I'm going to guarantee it's going to be ridiculously hard to steal because you can't get it out the windows and you're going to need a truck to haul it away. You might do that, Nate. Uh, it's probably not my choice at this stage. Fair enough. 
<laughs> All right, uh, good stuff. So uh, yeah, so lot, lots, uh, lots happening in the um, high definition and ultra high definition world. But uh, yeah, very nice the new uh, the new iMac. I mean, I think this is going to pick up that sort of market of uh, yeah, particularly people doing video editing at the at the high def- definition end. And it's it's an alternative, I think, for uh, those who maybe don't want to go with the the, the Mac Pro, uh, which is a, a gorgeous and a really high powered uh, machine, as you can see from the one sitting on my desk there, and is very nice with the 4K screens hooked up to it, because uh, you can plug in a whole bunch if you want to. But for you know a lot of people, just that single built-in 27-inch screen is probably a a pretty good uh, pretty good fit, but certainly some nice gear coming out of Apple in that sort of area. Mm. Uh, now, jumping on to uh, Android 5 Lollipop. Now, this has been, it's been a few months sort of in the making that we've been waiting for it to sort of officially land and become available on devices. But uh, early last week, we saw it uh, become access- starting to become accessible on, uh, you know, as a, just as a standard uh, update on Android devices here in New Zealand. Uh, now, first up for me was the uh, I think the Nexus, uh, the Nexus Seven. This is uh, such a nice handset. And then we've got the Nexus Five handset, which uh, Nate's holding at the moment, and uh, that's one that Two Degrees launched here. And there was a slight delay on the update becoming available for that because there is a, uh, some difference in the Australian New Zealand version of the Nexus 5, uh, but only a, only a small number of days. And, uh, yeah, I think most people probably with the Nexus 5 in New Zealand uh, have uh, will, will have received that uh, that update or, uh, or an alert for it. And uh, it's pretty slick, isn't it? It's very responsive. Uh, the animations are so smooth. It's really, really nice. Um, and what, um, you know, what do you think will be the response or well i guess this is probably a question to you what's your response uh to samsung who uh you know in some cases could be you know up to up to six months away uh you know we're, we're talking sort of probably three to six months before we see it on um you know on all of our devices here in new zealand Get your stuff together. Um, <laughs> I mean, the, we don't have the official dates yet on, yeah, you know, specifically for New Zealand, but we do know uh, that in some cases it's it's going to be yeah up to up to six months, maybe even more in some cases for uh, for this new version of of Android to arrive on some devices, and of course some won't get it at all. Is this, the speed of the interface and the animations is that the hardware that's causing that, or is that the lollipop update? Uh, I think it's a bit of both. Yeah, I think it's probably a bit of both. I mean, the uh, the Nexus Five is a pretty uh, is a pretty snappy device. Uh, you know, it is a pretty a pretty um, powerful device for you know for the price point that it that it came in at. Mm. Um, but yeah, I I think that uh, uh, Android Five or Lollipop, as it's called, um, is actually you know in in the scheme of it is actually a, a um, a pretty snappy uh, build, you know. I think they've 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 got it running pretty smoothly there, and yeah, you're definitely seeing some uh, some performance improvements. Um, some here I saw a little bit of discussion around uh, is the fact that Android Five, in in some cases uh, by default, 
will encrypt your uh, will encrypt your device for for security reasons, and that can actually add uh, or or lead to a, a slowdown in performance. Uh, that wasn't the case with the Nexus Five. It doesn't uh, automatically uh, encrypt all your all your content, which, from a security point of view, is is good. Uh, but other, you know, other than that, um, yeah, there, there's a bit of, I guess, a bit of a downside uh, to it from a performance perspective. And some people are saying about the new Nexus Six uh, that the performance isn't, um, you know, isn't isn't as good as what they. Uh, what they would have liked, so yeah, worth uh, worth worth being being aware of with the uh, with the with the Nexus Six. So mm. yeah, yeah. Um, and you played with it on the tablet as well, and the, the Nexus uh, Seven there. It, um, it looks pretty good too, doesn't it? it looks pretty good, uh, um, pretty smooth, right? Very nice, mm. very very nice. Um, now, one company that um, supposedly is going to be a, a bit quicker off the mark is uh, is is Motorola. Uh, we've got the Moto, uh, the Moto G, or the it's the second generation uh, Moto G. So some people call it the Moto G two. Uh, we've got that here, the uh, the the local variant, and as such, uh, when we've not found that uh, you Android is available for that one. So we're on uh, I think four point four point four on uh, on that particular device, um, but um, not a not a bad device actually in the in the scheme of things uh, either. So yeah. Um, now, what else do we have to uh, to, to chit chat about? Now, a, a little bit of uh, local news. So, we've heard around uh, the Southern Cross cable, and this, of course, is the the uh, the collection of fibre optic cables. Um, or the, yeah, it's the Southern Cross cable network that uh, links New Zealand and with Australia and with um, North America. Uh, we've we've heard that uh, Southern Cross have signed some of their largest customers up uh, right through to uh, 2030, which is fascinating because uh, previously there was an understanding that um, in the 2020 to 2025 time frame would be when uh, the Southern Cross uh, cable network would uh, potentially become uh, obsolete. So uh they're uh you know they're, they're talking it's going to be around here for uh for another 15 uh, 15 years yeah i suppose that's good good news for us otherwise what the internet just drops out of the uh it's like well lights are off no well, more internet for you i don't know i mean i'm in two minds about this if if there wasn't such longevity then it would be easier for another player to come in and to put a put another offering alongside uh this you know the southern cross's offering so we we get a little bit more diversity uh, at this stage, if um, I don't know if if there was some accidental damage to two two parts of the uh, the Southern Cross uh, cable network, then New Zealand would be uh, would be pretty stuffed as far as internet concerned. Uh, it would have a massive impact on on business uh, here in New Zealand. There'd be yeah huge repercussions. Um, or if something would happen from a terrorism uh, perspective to uh, to try and take out networks. And I was reading something the other day around um, you know, early communications during um, World War One, World War Two, and that uh, you know there were there was some there was some uh, yeah wartime activity to. Uh, to take out international communications issues, uh, even even you know dating back to uh, you know last century. So yeah, there, there, there's a potential here if someone really wanted to uh, really wanted to cause a big problem, and they could figure out exactly uh, where that where they could 
go to mess with our cables, um, yeah, they could leave us in quite a state, I would have thought, mm. um, because we don't have any, uh, you know, physical connection to, uh, to uh, you know, other other countries. It's uh, it's all those those fibre optic cables and uh, yeah, some tiny bits of uh, satellite uh, yeah bandwidth and so on, but uh, not a whole lot. It, I can uh, imagine we would be uh, pretty devastated if uh, yeah if that infrastructure was uh, sufficiently or um, majorly uh, damaged. Thoughts? Yeah, so I suppose in the, the average consumer's mind, the fact is that you just turn your computer on or, or put your phone on and data just magically appears through the magical pixies that, that transition, but no one ever thinks that there is a, a heck of a lot of infrastructure. And even the fact that Facebook and, and Google, the two main Twitter or whatever service you use, most of that's coming out of the States and it's how many thousands and thousands of kilometers away. Mm. And it all comes over those tiny little glass strands that run all those um, meters under the water. Um, so yeah, if you take that out, we're we're kind of a bit stuck, aren't we? There, there's a lot of assumption around technology, isn't there? That uh, that it should just work and it should always work, and you know, they, you know, it, it's quite a uh, yeah, just quite a common perception that yeah, that technology should never break down and it and it should always be perfect. Um, yeah, but but uh, but as I know, you know, p- particularly the the business I'm in, and you know, you'd know the same in in your business. Uh, you know, the the nature of technology is, is that there's huge amounts of uh, you know of, of points of failure and potential mm. things that can go wrong. Whether it's uh, you know from a software perspective, from a you know a physical uh, equipment perspective, some sort of communications perspective. Uh, there's always the human factor that that's involved, whether it's in uh, you know, bugs and mistakes in software or people doing the wrong things or being insufficiently, uh, uh, I don't know, expert enough to, to drive something in the right manner. So there are so many uh, ways in which things uh, potentially can go wrong. And, uh, yeah, from time to time these things do happen, mostly with a smaller impact, but sometimes with a rather large impact. So worth uh, worth being aware of uh now some uh, some quite interesting uh news last week when of course we had the uh um the chinese uh was he the the president or the uh premier i've i've forgotten Price, his, yeah the president was here the the, the correct uh, title for him but um yeah he was here and there was there was a huge number of uh, of signings of all all uh, all manner of uh uh, things um, now. One of those uh, agreements that was was signed was between uh, Spark and uh, Huawei, who uh, we understand uh, now. Of course, Huawei, but behind um, you know they're one of the biggest telecommunications uh, um, technology providers in in the world uh, now. And uh, been growing very, very quickly. They've had hundreds of staff in New Zealand for uh, you know for, for some years. Uh, they're behind the, uh, the the network that Two Degrees use here in New Zealand, uh, and and a whole chunk of other uh, yeah technology as well as uh, selling their own handsets. Um, but they've uh, they've done a deal with uh, with Spark, whereby effectively they're going to uh, jump in and uh, replace. Uh, a big chunk of Star- Spark's uh, mobile uh, network. This is uh, this is pretty fascinating because Spark have already got a 3G network, but uh, Huawei um, uh, are going to come in and uh, 
uh, and actually, you know, supersede that with uh, with a with a with a new one. Hopefully, that this technology decision is going to benefit them, and it'll be the right one. I, I, I don't know. Maybe I'm just a little bit Vodafone biased, but every time I, th- I think of telecom, I keep thinking that they they keep backing the wrong horses. And Vodafone tends to, and again, probably the Vodafone bias, and some of my Vodafone customer um, have, have tend to make the correct uh, technology choices as if, and partnered with the correct networks. And it's all, it's, it just seems when Vodafone switched on their 4G and far ahead of, of what Telecom was offering, um, it all just sort of worked and, and just ticked over. And the, yeah, Telecom just seemed to be always tripping and struggling to 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 get the momentum behind them to, to catch up to Vodafone. Again, all my opinion. Yeah, and, and I guess I would counter that by, by saying that um, yeah, the LTE or 4G network uh, launched from uh, yeah, what is now Spark uh, seems to have gone pretty well. They, you know, seem, seems to be working well. And you know, more and more I'm finding uh, I am coming across their Wi-Fi uh, in so many places, and that's you know I guess they're real big differentiator with uh, uh, with Vodafone, and um, that's the know, Wi-Fi that they run out of the piggybacked off the back of the um, oh, what are they called the phone booths, phone booths, and varying other locations. So it's not just phone booths now. So uh, you know I was sitting in a cafe the other day, and whoop, it popped up, and I've had it quite a number of times uh, recently where where I see that. Um, you know, I've got uh, that that access to, uh, to to Sparks Wi-Fi, and uh, yeah, it actually feels nice knowing that you're not burning through your uh, your mobile data, and uh, that it's uh, that it's just going over their uh, their Wi-Fi. So, you know, I think Spark are are doing some pretty good pretty good stuff. There's been a bit of debate, and you've probably seen this, Nate, on uh, Geekzone around um, Vodafone struggling with some of their their customer service and. In uh, in other areas, but particularly around the customer uh, service lately, have you uh, have you had any particular experiences on that? You you sound very pro Vodafone, so I'm thinking you probably haven't had uh, any issues. I'm trying to think what I was raging about the other day, but I actually think I was raging against ASB Bank and had nothing <laughs> to do with Vodafone. Yeah. No, um, actually, no. I, I have discovered a little bit of a, a quirk with their system with their auto top up and their prepay where. It's hard coded to five dollars. Oh, so, really? Yeah, and the instance I've got is it's an account that's just got a, a text system on it, so it, it just deducts twelve dollars each month. And the issue I've got is that I've got six dollars worth of credit, and there's no way that twelve goes into six because it won't let you go into negative. So, in essence, I'm never going to hit that five dollar threshold. And in my mind, it's a big problem that they haven't allowed the customers to set what that threshold is before it auto tops. Right up. before it doesn't auto top. Because my one, I would set it say thirteen dollars. So. Because that means that if there's less than thirteen, the twelve dollar prepay, um, the bundle, bundle, yep, yep. Yeah, yeah. is never going to be able to, um, to to fire, and it just all sort of comes apart. So they might be want to put, wanting to push you to an on account there, uh, Nate. Maybe, and it, and I was thinking about it, it is a bit of a unique use case. It um, is. When I think about yeah, it more, yeah. but yeah, it's a bit of just a bit of a pain. But no, I haven't had touch wood. Any problems over? Yeah, well, I've been giving this some thought because, of course, we've we've you know we've heard recently, uh, as, as happens on an ongoing basis, about cutbacks and staff amongst our uh, our, our telcos. Uh, you know, um, Vodafone uh, in particular, but you know, I know that uh, Spark is a similar situation where they they've uh, cut back and or having you know having to announce cutbacks and and staff uh, from time to time. So this is something that sort of keeps recurring. And, you know, I think we, we've probably built up a bit of an expectation around what sort of level of customer service we should expect. But 
on the flip side, what we're seeing is our, uh, you know, what we spend, uh, particularly in mobile, just keeps coming down. And, you know, I look back a few years and I was spending you know, hundreds of dollars a month to run my mobile. And that was without, you know, originally without any data at all. Um, and then, you know, with small amounts of uh, data that's, you know, slowly increased uh, over the years. Um, but, yeah, now I'm paying a, a fraction of that and, uh, you, know, you know, probably on average a quarter of what I once spent. Uh, but I've used my mobile, you know, in, in probably you know different ways now. Uh, but yeah, a quarter of what I once once spent. But yeah, if I was getting a quarter of the service, I would be uh, I'd be upset. But actually, you know, what should we expect when we're we're spending a fraction, uh, you know, of of previous spends? Can we can we still expect the same level of uh, yeah personal service? I think, and we're also getting a lot better innovation that seems to actually be useful like the two ones that pop to mind straight away is that five dollar roaming thing where you can pay five dollars and you can use your calling and texting as though you were here like that you know my biggest pet peeve because i'm doing a bit of international travel is especially jumping off the plane and if you you've lost your seven card that you normally use in that particular country or you've you don't have you don't have it or it's yeah. lapsed because you haven't forgotten to put credit on you've then got to go and find a store which is more taxis and a more hassle especially if you're flying in late at night when everything's shut the fact that you can just touch down um turn on your phone and then just roam is fantastic the second one i really like which is um and i think and probably telecom have the same initiative as well as where you're actually getting another sim card Actually, I know two degrees allow you to share your data. So this isn't an amazing, unique Vodafone thing, but the fact you can have a SIM card in your tablet and your main SIM card and you're not having to go, oh, have I topped up my little iPad? It all just pairs, either pairs off your main phone you know, with two degrees where you can share data. And Telecom, I think you can do the same. Um, well, with, And with Vodafone, with my red business plan, I get 512 megs for free in inverted commas. Um, and again, it's just something I don't have to worry about. It just works, and 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 life just ticks on, which is amazing. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, there there are definitely some good good innovations going on, uh, but there are yeah situations where the uh, the customer service can be a hassle. I saw somebody tweeting about it uh, yesterday. Uh, and yeah, they were frustrated. They've been on hold for a you know a chunk of time, and you know I think all up they were being told, uh, you know, that it was being suggested they're going to be on hold forty five minutes till they would get through. And you know I can imagine if you know if you're in business, uh, you, you know that's uh, you know time is money and that's valuable. Or if yeah. it's uh, yeah interrupting your family time, uh, that's pretty frustrating. These are sorts of hold times we've heard of in the past for telcos in the in the US market. Uh, but yeah, we don't like those sort of hold times here uh, in New Zealand. But it may just be a reality as the as the uh, the costs come down uh, for yeah for running these things that there just won't be the same level of uh, uh, margin that's able to be sort of splashed around on uh, on on customer service. So well, they no one can really do any worse than Telstra Clear at its peak where. They had their call center in, in was it Indonesia I think or India or wherever it was, and you'd ring them and as soon as they could hand you off to the offshore call center they, they would, would and then right. if there was something that they couldn't they transferred to New Zealand for that maybe thirty second call and as soon as that was that, sorted they'd hand you back again. back again you'd go yeah, to the fact yeah, where yeah. I remember any time I'd call them I'd plead with them please don't send me back please don't send me back I just want to talk to you to get it sorted but they were by far the worst. Wow, I don't, I don't, glad don't recall that particular experience. I'm glad Vodafone didn't keep that on as a sort of legacy mm. from when they took over Telstra. Mm, mm, mm. 
All right. Well, um, I think that probably brings us to almost to the end. Oh, well, one more, uh, one more story that uh, that that came out of uh, things and the, uh, the, the 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 Chinese visit last week um, that I thought was pretty fascinating, and that's uh, a Hong Kong uh, based organisation. Now, um, you might be better at the pronunci- pronunciation uh, here. Kuang Chi Science is is what I've got. Um, are going to be working with Airways uh, New Zealand and another uh, company, Penguin International, uh, to launch what they're calling a near spaceship uh, called Traveller uh, here in New Zealand. And this is kind of, I guess you might call it a um, you know, a big balloon along, in some ways sort of uh, has maybe some similarities to uh, what Google launched a couple of years ago back with um, uh, Go- Go- Google Loon, uh, which is their... Uh, you know, high high up in that sort of above where uh, aeroplanes can fly uh, balloons to help distribute the internet, and they have a, a similar idea here, and uh, they're planning to uh, yeah planning to do the testing in 2015 here in New Zealand. Now these things are going to sit from two kilometres to uh, to five kilometres uh, up, and uh, yeah, but uh, it sounds like some some pretty interesting technology. And yeah, I, w- I was curious when uh, when Google launched it. You know, what was what's the opportunity? We haven't seen them sort of um, get into a commercial launch, but I understand they've tested in other locations now. They've been, uh, I think, they've at Google have announced uh, testing in in uh, in Australia uh, with Google Loon. Nothing commercial yet, but uh, but with this uh, this particular. Uh, trial for for traveller expected to be happening in New Zealand. Uh, yeah, maybe we're going to see a bunch of these things going on. Um, you know, in the, in the future, and you know, if this can help cover parts of the parts of the world uh, that that struggle otherwise, it uh, could be pretty cool. Yeah, very. Uh, who would have thought you'd run big balloons in, in space and run? It's just crazy. Yeah. Um, now this would be great in in uh, you know locations where it's really hard to get the internet. If this you know can can help uh, put the internet out there for uh, for a remote location, depending on what sort of uh, coverage they have and how many of these things. I I, I guess I got to say I'm still a little bit skeptical over uh, the commercialisation of this sort of technology, but uh, if it works, I can uh, I can see how uh, how useful it it might be if it could uh, you know if it could take uh, internet uh, locations that it's just too expensive to via uh, uh, you know running cables of of sorts. So yeah. We'll, we'll wait and see on that one. Very good. Cool. Um, and uh, yeah, look look forward to hearing a little bit more actually because it 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 is it's pretty uh, pretty fascinating and and interesting uh, you know science really this um, new ways of uh, of distributing uh, wireless internet signals. So that's us. Thank you very much, Nate, for uh, for joining us. That's okay. Now you're very easy to find on online, but uh, just remind uh, remind us where, where we where we find you. First of all, maybe your uh, your famous Twitter handle. Very long Twitter handle. So I'm just <laughs> at Nate. So um, just like the name Kate, but with an N. Excellent, and uh, and you've got a blog on uh, on Geekzone. Yep. So you can get to my blog either by going to the front page of Geekzone.co.nz, or you can jump on my personal domain, which is Nate Dunn. N-A-T-E-D-U-N-N dot com and that should fire you through. 
Excellent. And uh, you can track me, Paul Spain, on Twitter at Paul Spain. Uh, and you can find us, the New Zealand Tech Podcast, online at nztechpodcast.com uh, or ac- across uh, Twitter and, and uh, Facebook and uh, Google Plus and the like. So, uh, hey, thanks everyone very much for joining us. Uh, we've got a bunch of uh, interesting uh, content coming up over the next few weeks and uh, some interesting guests, some of who we haven't had on for uh, for a little while, who will be uh, be across the next uh, few episodes as we head in towards uh, the, uh, the silly season. Uh, but you know, I expect there will be uh, plenty of new tech announcements and interesting uh, topics to discuss. And uh, before we know it, it will be uh, time, as we mentioned earlier, for the Consumer Electronics Show in early January. And uh, no doubt, uh, stacks of uh, of interesting, uh, yeah, sort of international product announcements coming out of uh, of that one. The New Zealand Tech Podcast, brought to you by Vector Communications. Data networks built for business.